Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, March 9th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Tech stocks dragged down Wall Street on Monday. Greensill Capital filed for administration in the UK, and the giant asset management firm Apollo will get even bigger after it merges with the life insurance company Athene. Athene has paid hundreds of millions of dollars a year to Apollo in exchange for managing its assets. What happens now is that these two companies become one. The FT's Mark Vandeveld will unpack the deal that'll create a $29 billion financial conglomerate. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Monday was a tough day for tech stocks. The Nasdaq Composite fell 2.4% putting it in what's called a technical correction. That means it's fallen more than 10% from its peak last month. The FT's U.S. equities correspondent Aziza Kazumov has more. I think the big thing that fueled the market decline that we saw Monday was that the almost $2 trillion stimulus package is now really within reach. And investors are nervous about pushing all that additional cash into the economy. The stimulus is obviously a great boost for American families and businesses looking to get back on their feet. But it could also trigger higher inflation by increasing demand for goods and services. So for equities, some inflation is actually good because it signals economic growth. But when inflation and interest rates rise too quickly, that decreases the value of companies' future earnings. And that's what's sort of spooking investors right now. So going back to the technical correction, is it merely symbolic? What happens now? So I think the Nasdaq, which is dominated by a lot of big tech, is sort of a bit more susceptible to this whole inflation dynamic that I just mentioned. That's because a lot of these sky-high valuations of big tech and the likes have really been propped up by the low interest rate environment and investors sort of already counting in earnings that are way ahead in the future. And then beyond that, investors are also just generally starting to sort of look past some of the big COVID beneficiaries to companies that can, you know, really get a boost out of the economic reopening um, and us finally being able to get to some sense of normalcy. So I think both of those dynamics have fueled what's, yes, a technical correction of the NASDAQ. I don't think that's necessarily sort of a landmark, but there's definitely been some concern around a lot of the companies in the index being overvalued generally. Aziza Kazumov is the FT's U.S. equities correspondent. Thank you, Aziza. You're welcome. The ailing supply chain finance company Greensill Capital yesterday filed for administration in the U.K. That's like Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the U.S., Greensill's lawyer said the company won't be able to repay a $140 million loan to Credit Suisse, and it's experiencing defaults from its key customer, GFG Alliance. The FT's capital markets correspondent, Rob Smith, says this is quite a fall from grace. This business a few months ago said it was going to raise new equity funding at $7 billion valuation ahead of an IPO. So Greensill a few months ago, still to the public, was saying that it was one of the most valuable fintechs in the world and that it was changing finance to change the world. That was literally one of its slogans. And now the whole business has collapsed. Yeah, I mean, what a wild ride. And, you know, there are many losers that are tied to this whole Greensill saga. But, you know, who's the biggest? I have to imagine that GFG's Sanjeev Gupta certainly has to be near the top. Right. And I think this is really important for our listeners to understand is that Sanjeev Gupta's GFG Alliance, it's sort of a loose collection of aging factories, steel factories around the world. And the FT has been doing deep investigative reporting on this company for years. My colleague, Michael Pula, has led a lot of that along with myself. And we've sort of been reporting out for years that the financing here doesn't make any sense. 
And more than that, the financing is reliant on sort of financial alchemy from Greensill to sort of turn like lead into gold, the lead being these aging steel plants and the gold being financing. So this has all been laid bare in court yesterday. So Greensill's lawyers revealed that they have $5 billion of exposure to this company, which is huge. And Gupta's company has now started to default. Also, that Gupta's company warned them last month that they'd collapse if Greensill stopped providing it with financing. So for ourselves at the FT and other reporters who've dug into Sanjeev Gupta's relationship with Greensill, it's kind of revealed what we always knew to be true, that Greensill was this big fintech. It would talk about its AI platform and all of this sort of stuff. But really, it was funding this massive debt-laden monster that was rolling up some of, you know, heavy industry, the, the very opposite of technology. Who could come out on top? Uh, one particular private equity group certainly comes to mind. Well, indeed. And so Apollo, Mark, are buying bits of Greensill. This is how the administration process works. You, you file for administration and then Apollo buys some of your assets. But I think what our listeners need to understand that Apollo is buying bits of Greensill for $59 million. This was a company that SoftBank's Vision Fund put $1.5 billion into. Okay, Apollo is sort of cherry picking some bits of Greensill that it likes. And we believe that they're doing that so it can provide its own financing to some of uh, Greensill's customers who'd be stranded otherwise. But uh, Apollo is not rescuing Greensill by any stretch. Rob Smith is the FT's capital markets correspondent. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Mark. And speaking of Apollo, the FT reports that the private equity giant will merge with the life insurance company Athene Holding. The deal will create a financial conglomerate with a $29 billion market cap. I'm joined by the FT's Mark Vandeveld. He's our private capital correspondent. Mark, real quick, what do these two companies do? Well, Athene is an annuity life insurer. So it is a company that when people retire from work, they hand over a big chunk of their life savings to Athene. And in return, it promises to pay them back a certain amount every year, a a retirement income for life, if you like. In order to do that, Athene invests in debt, the debt of companies, mortgages, jet leases, all sorts of things. And those investments are managed by Apollo Global Management, which started out as a private equity firm, but has really expanded far beyond that to become one of the biggest alternative asset managers in the world. And, and, you know, actually, to that point, Mark, uh, this is a bit of a homecoming for Athene Holding, isn't it? You're quite right. These companies are far from strangers. In fact, Apollo created Athene in 2009 at the height of the financial crisis, seeing that uh, an insurance company would be just the kind of outfit that could invest in certain types of debt that at the time were trading at very attractive valuations. They've continued to exist as separate companies ever since then, but closely related ones. And Athene has paid hundreds of millions of dollars a year to Apollo in exchange for managing its assets. What happens now is that these two companies become one. The idea is that potential conflicts of interest that might exist in the old arrangement will be dissolved after the merger. Yeah, actually, could you speak a little bit more on that, Mark? You've done some, you've done quite a bit of reporting on on this complicated relationship with Apollo and Athene, and um, found some governance issues that were found a little troubling. 
So we first started looking at this in 2018, and at the time they were separate, but they were closely related. Athene paid Apollo hundreds of millions of dollars a year for investing its assets. What we found was that Apollo had a stake in Athene, but it had voting rights there that were far larger than its economic stake would suggest. There were other close relationships. So, for instance, the chief executive of Athene was someone who also worked for a subsidiary of Apollo. We learned that in an internal report, Apollo's own executives had concluded that they were charging far higher rates to Athene for managing some of the assets on its balance sheet than an independent asset manager would have charged for exactly the same services. Mm. Now, Apollo's claim was that it was much better at doing that, that it could deliver higher returns and that Athene was getting value because it was making more money under Apollo's stewardship than it could have done with anybody else. But nevertheless, there were investors who were upset about the arrangement. I want to talk a little bit about the timing, Mark, because the deal between these two companies comes just weeks after Apollo's founder, Leon Black, announced that he was stepping down as the company's CEO. And this is because of links to the late sex offender, Jeffrey Epstein. Is is there anything there in terms of the timing? The thing that's really notable about this is that Mark Rowan, who will succeed Leon Black as chief executive of Apollo, he's a co-founder of Apollo, and he is the guy who set up Athene in the first place. In 2009, he was the person who realized that there was this opportunity in channeling life insurance assets into these particular types of corporate credits. And since then, Rowan has run the insurance operation at Athene. And it's the part of the business that he's most closely associated with. So it's really interesting that just shortly after it was announced that Rome would take over from Black as chief executive, he's orchestrating this merger of the two firms. It really shows that Apollo is becoming a firm that's uh, very much in Mark Rowan's image. Mark Vandeveld is the FT's private capital correspondent. And before we go, renewable energy in the U.S. could get a major boost. The Biden administration just finished a long-awaited environmental study of the country's first commercial-scale wind energy project. It's called Vineyard Winds. And it would mean 62 turbines would get placed off the coast of Massachusetts, and it would sell electricity to utilities in the state. The U.S. Interior Department said its environmental study raised no significant problems that would stop the final approval by federal agencies, It would also move the U.S. toward the Biden administration's goal of removing carbon emissions from the electricity sector by 2035. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.